Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest. Hello, this is Dr. Casey Patrick, uh, here today again with the MCHD Paramedic Podcast, and today we're going to talk a little bit about syncope, uh, one of our more common complaints, and uh, something I think that sometimes we probably take a little bit for granted. Um, we think a lot about things like you know, vasovagal syncope, neurocardiogenic syncope. Um, I want to change the approach a little bit and think a little more about the deadly emergent causes of syncope um, so that we approach it from worst first as opposed to always thinking about oh is the patient dehydrated were they standing too long what's orthostatics because to be honest teasing out vasovagal versus neurocardiogenic versus you know other causes of syncope can be really difficult um, even with uh, invasive studies lab work you know hospitalizations so what I would like us to sort of change our perspective and think more about what are the deadly causes of syncope and how can we identify those causes the quickest. Um, first of all, I want to start with just some general rules and sort of hard and fast things that we need to do with syncope every time. And first, first one of those is going to be an EKG. I think in our syncopal patients, 10 years old, 100 years old, in between, I think an EKG is always necessary and is going to be an important part of our care for those those folks and I think that goes right along with the uh, the rule that we we have laid out directly in our protocols and that is syncope is arrhythmia until proven otherwise now obviously you know arrhythmia is going to be more likely in an 80 year old patient with history of cardiac disease and diabetes than it is in a 30 year old but the 30 year old's risk of arrhythmia is not zero so again Syncope is arrhythmia until proven otherwise. Let's think about getting EKGs in all of our syncopal patients. Um, how, how can we remember the bad causes of syncope? How can we think about our differential and almost create it before we even see the patient? Let's say we're running on a patient who's 75, syncope at home. What are the things that we need to think about when we walk through the door before we even see the patient? And I'm not a huge mnemonic fan, but I think this one sort of, sort of fits and it's craps. And these are the causes of syncope that should make us craps our pants. I know that's pretty darn cheesy, but let's go through it. Bear with me. C in craps is for cardiac structural abnormalities. So think about things like severe mitral regurgitation, severe aortic stenosis. Again, valvular problems that are significant enough to compromise cerebral blood flow. Patient becomes unconscious. So C in craps is cardiac structural abnormalities. R is for rupture. So what can rupture and cause syncope? The two big ones are your aorta and ectopic pregnancies. So obviously two totally different patient populations. If you think about AAA patients, we're talking, you know, long-standing hypertension, long-standing vascular disease, long-standing, you know, diabetes, hyperlipidemia, um, abdominal pain that's acute, sometimes radiating to the back, can be mistaken even for kidney stones, flank pain if it's retroperitoneal. So that's kind of your classic AAA patient. Oftentimes will be, you know, initially hypotensive tachycardic because you lose quite a bit of blood pretty quickly. Ectopic pregnancy, on the other hand, is going to be obviously an entirely different patient population, young pregnant females with acute pain, 
catch with ectopics is sometimes, you know, they don't know they're pregnant because ectopics are most common in the first trimester when they rupture. So if we have a young female who has a syncopal episode, acute abdominal pain, again, hypotensive tachycardia in those folks as well because they can lose quite a bit of blood quickly. Um, think about triple, uh, excuse me, think about ectopic rupture. Um, so C, cardiac structure, structural abnormalities, R, rupture. A is going to be arrhythmia, and that fits with our rule, syncope's arrhythmia until proven otherwise. You know, in an 80-year-old, you know, vasculopath, cardiac disease patient, we're going to be worried about, v, you know, VTAC. Um, in younger, younger populations, we were worry more about atrial arrhythmias, supraventricular tachycardias, you know, all, again, we're not trying to uh, get too, too lost in the details here. Arrhythmias can cause syncope if, again, blood flow is compromised, compromised to the point that we, you know, we lose cerebral flow. Uh, P is going to be PE. And again, with PE, everybody that has syncope doesn't have PE, but there's some pretty simple questions and some pretty uh, straightforward vital sign so we can key in on. Again, if somebody has a PE large enough, to compromise flow, they're going to have more than likely chest pain, shortness of breath, PE risk factors, recent surgery, sedentary, prior history of PE, cancer, um, and you know we're going to ask them, do you have chest pain? Do you have shortness of breath? Um, and then obviously we want to look at our vital signs and look for evidence of hypotension, tachycardia, and hypoxia. And then S is going to be subarachnoid hemorrhage, and again very straightforward. Check neuro exam, GCS, are they awake, alert, oriented, do they have headache before, headache after. So that's, that's going to be our craps mnemonic, deadly, deadly syncope, emergent syncope, think about what makes you craps your pants, cardiac structure, valvular problems, ruptured AAA, ruptured ectopic, arrhythmia, PE, and subarachnoid hemorrhage. Now, some other kind of general rules to think about, um, extremes of age in syncope are always potentially bad. In other words, younger folks, older folks are always higher risk. And again, that sort of that stands true for multiple problems besides syncope. But if you have an 81-year-old with syncope, that's higher risk than a 40-year-old. So think about extremes of age. Exertional syncope is another high risk, you know, higher risk patient. Exertional syncope is always concerning um, in Elderly folks, the classic story, 80-year-old you know, 80 year old man, 75-year-old man out push mowing their grass and goes down unconscious. Think about things like aortic stenosis and mitral regurge. Now, you may say, well, we don't have an echo, you know, Doc. How are we going to get there? And I am far from a murmur expert. I remember lots of words from learning about murmurs that I would not hold myself to at all. Crescendo, decrescendo, clicks, rubs. Kentucky, Tennessee, um, that's all kind of a jumble in my brain, but I do know Love Dub. And if, and again, think about this before you arrive on the scene, before you even examine the patient. I've got an 80-year-old push mowing. Could this be a structure ab structural abnormality? And let's think about how we examine the patient and what we're listening for. You may not be able to des describe the murmur perfectly, but if you hear a, a whoosh that shouldn't be there, again, this is going to have to be a murmur and an abnormality structurally that causes enough flow to cause loss of consciousness or decrease in flow to cause loss of consciousness, it's going to be pretty significant. So you may not be able to describe it like a cardiologist, but you may know that's not right. And that, that in and of itself is enough for you to, you know, talk to that patient, talk to the, the ER upon delivery. Hey, 
This guy was push mowing his yard. I hear a big new murmur that he says he has no history. You know, maybe this is a valvular issue. And, you know, that echocardiogram will eventually be done, and that will look and tell us. Is it his mitral valve? Is it his aortic valve? That's, that's details that can all be sorted out. But if we have an idea that that's potentially possible, that can be really helpful the earlier we know that. Um, and finally, I'm going to, you know, kind of close with just how we, how we approach the EKG in syncope patients. And one of the things that I think is sort of can be problematic is that when we look at EKGs and we think about looking at EKGs, oftentimes the only glasses that we wear, or the only way that we look at them is through ischemia eyes. And I think in syncope patients that can be problematic because very rarely does cardiac ischemia in and of itself cause syncope. Syncope, we want to look at our EKGs in syncope patients with arrhythmia eyes. And that's, that's a different approach. So we need to look at intervals. We need to look at rate and rhythm. Um, and, you know, so there's no ST elevation in 2, 3, and F in the 30-year-old that passed out. Well, no, there's not because the patient's 30. They don't, they're not old enough, typically, to have vascular disease yet. But in young people, think about the other causes in young people for syncope. And again, these are rare. You may not know them cold, but think about Wolf Parkinson White, Delta Wave. Think about hypertrophic cardiomyopathy in young athletes that pass out on the field. You may not know the exact pathophysiology of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, but you may know that, hey, they can have, because of outflow obstruction, LVH. So if an 18-year-old has significant LVH, that's pretty, pretty abnormal. Because when do you typically see LVH? Long-standing hypertension. Does an 18-year-old usually have long-standing hypertension? No. You know, Brugada syndrome is another rare, very bizarre. Don't ask me to describe it off the top of my head right now because it's really complicated. But if you Google Brugada, you can see that, hey, V2, V3, and Brugada is pretty abnormal. So you may not be able to describe it, just like you can't describe that holosystolic perfect murmur in aortic stenosis. But you may be able to say, hey, wait, this 23-year-old passed out. Precordial leads look really bizarre here. This is not, you know, this is not your regular run-of-the-mill vasovagal. This is a little more significant. And then Brugada can be shorted, sorted out once the patient gets to the hospital. Um, QT prolongation, another. It's tough to calculate the QT interval, age, sex. You know, it's, the computer has an algorithm that calculates the QTC for us. Again, don't ask me to, to, to pull that one off the top of my head. I can't. But I do know that the end of the T wave should be less than half the R to R. And that's one that we can all eyeball pretty easily. And if you, again, Google images are your friend here. If you take a second and Google prolonged QT interval, you can see that, oh, wait, the end of that T wave is well past half the R to R interval. I don't know if this is one that's significant, but if that patient had just passed out, it gives you that much more ammunition to talk to that patient convince them that transport is necessary and you can give pass that information on to the on to the folks in the ED. Um, so I'm not going to go into describing all those, you know, all those EKG findings. We're going to put our list in the show notes and put some links in the show notes and again, a picture's worth a thousand words in these in these uh, more rare EKG findings and you can look over those in your in your spare time. Um, but Again, the point is not to get lost in the details of what is Brugada and what is not, or what is Wolf-Parkinson-White, what is not. The point here is to, to think about when we're looking at syncope EKGs, 
take off your ischemia goggles and put on your arrhythmia goggles and think through it in an organized, uh, stepwise, methodical fashion, formulate your differential, and know what the causes of syncope are that can, that can kill these folks. Um, so in recap, um, let's, what do you want to take home from this? What's, what's the major point? I think, you know, again, syncope is arrhythmia until proven otherwise. Don't forget to get your EKG, young, old, in between. Get your EKG, look at it with syncope eyes. Don't forget craps. Craps is gonna tell you the, the killers, right? Cardiac structural abnormalities for valvular problems. Again, how are we gonna assess for that? Take a listen. If you hear a big roaring murmur, you're gonna know it. It's gonna be a murmur enough to cause flow compromise. Ruptured AAA, ruptured ectopic. Again, these are gonna be clinically clued in. Abdominal pain, abdominal pain, abdominal pain. Tachycardia, hypotension. Uh, arrhythmia, that's why we're getting our EKG. PE, think about chest pain, think about shortness of breath, hypoxia, risk factors. And then subarachnoid hemorrhage, do a good neuro exam, ask about sudden onset headache. Um, again, subarachnoid hemorrhage, it's significant enough to cause flow compromise. Most of the time, those folks aren't gonna be neurologically normal. Um, and that about wraps it up for today. Think about, think about some of these tidbits the next time you get a syncope run. Try to think about it, anticipate ahead of time. Look for those killers, think about them. Again, vasovagal syncope, neurocardiogenic syncope, gonna be much more common, but we can't miss the killers. Thanks for joining us today, and thank you, Andy, on the controls as always, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. This podcast was brought to you by the Montgomery County Hospital District, Texas. Production and editing by Andrew Adams. Questions or comments, which are always welcome, can be sent to podcast at mchd-tx.org. Make sure to subscribe above to keep updated to all our future casts. Music, copyright, Kevin McLeod, and Competech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.